This is the We Spin Recipes podcast with Andrew Apinov. Hey everybody, Corey Wolf here from We Spin. We have another special podcast with uh, Mike Mowry here. You you might not be used to hearing me personally. A lot of times you're probably listening to Andrew and I get to uh, do my occasional interviews here, but I'm very fortunate to be with Mike Mowry from Outer Loop Management, and uh, he's uh, he's with us here today. So, Mike, how are you? I'm well, man. Thanks. It's a nice, glorious uh, Friday afternoon in August. Can't it complain. is. It is. So, Mike and I actually met when I was in New York for the New Music Seminar. I think that was in June, right? That's then, correct. End yep. of June or something like that. And we we met there and decided to link up. So. I mean, I, I have a little bit and I, and I know, you know, who you are and what you do, but, you know, maybe if you could just introduce yourself a bit and, and let everybody know who you are and what you do. Yeah, thank you. Of course. I'm Mike Mowry. I am the CEO of Outer Loop Management, which is a boutique management firm currently based in Silver Spring, Maryland, which is just right outside of Washington, D.C., in addition to the management roles, which is you know really our core competency, you know we've branched out a little bit over the past couple of years. We also have a record label called Outer Loop Records. We have an EDM label called Crime Kitchen. We participate in the ownership of a EDM blog called Raver Rafting, and I'm doing a lot of online education stuff with Kevin Lyman's uh, the Entertainment Institute. So never a dull moment around here. Always a lot going on, but everything's tied in to each other in in the modern day 2015 music industry. Yeah, that's uh, that's a busy day. It seems like for you, every every day is a busy day. It is, but you know, thankfully, and the reason that it's allowed that I've been able to kind of develop these things over the years is there's so much overlap between each of them. And as a manager, the real other than obviously making sure that the, the ship is steered correctly. It's so much of it is based on relationships. And as those relationships have developed over the years, you know, whenever we've seen kind of something that we, A, would like to be involved in and B, that there's, you know, a need or a demand for us to be involved in, we've, we've tried to carve out that ability to do so. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you mentioned before about artist management 2015, you know, I, Today, it seems like things are are very integrated, and it's there's a lot of overlapping, like like you said. So maybe it is a little bit different compared to '95 or whenever you first started. Like you know, of course it's changed, but was it like that in the beginning? I guess is my question. When you first started getting into artist management, was there as much overlapping as there is today? No, it wasn't. I mean, the industry surely has changed. It's flattened in a lot of ways. And I started managing in 2004. So it's been about 11 years. Prior to that, I was a tour manager. Prior to that, I played in a in a punk hardcore band. And before that, I, I did a lot of stuff in the DIY, you know, world of music, putting on shows, doing a zine, had a small, you know, record label, you name it. So in one way or another, over the past two decades, I have been involved in in music. And when I first started managing artists, really, it was right around the dawn of MySpace. And since then, and I don't remember exactly when that came on the scene, but really since then, like I said, you know, the internet has allowed this world to flatten so much. And everybody talks about how the barriers to entry have been lowered. 
so much, which I think is helpful. It allows guys like me and my company to really thrive because you know we are based outside of the meccas of the music industry in the U.S., New York, Los Angeles, even Nashville, but we're able to communicate quite easily. We're able to discover artists online. And one of the ultimate benefits to me is the artists have the ability to do so many things themselves. Now, the challenge there is there's less barriers to entry. There's more artists than ever. And when you begin to manage an artist, the tools that sit in the quote unquote hands of the artist, that's something that you're trying to manage. You're trying to direct. So great. Instagram's a wonderful tool in order to promote your new tour. All right. Well, if the artist isn't up at 10 a.m. when we announce a tour, that responsibility then falls on us. So that's something that has made the job, I would say, a little bit busier, but it also allows us to be much more creative because we have a lot more control. And it's one of the things that we really enjoy being a part of here at Outer Loop is really allowing ourselves to not only direct the careers, but also really be creative in, in how the careers are directed. Right. You know, this actually, you're talking about directing the careers and things like that. Maybe th- this brings up the question of what exactly does an artist manager do? Maybe some people might not necessarily understand the difference between an artist manager and other aspects of, of their quote unquote team. So I guess as an artist manager, what, what would you say is their core function when it comes to the team of the artist? What do you think on that? Yeah, I mean, and it's such a funny and common question. People not in the industry have so much more trouble with it when I'm talking to people in my neighborhood or, you know, if I'm at a work function with my wife. When I mentioned that I'm a manager in the music business, they first and foremost say, so you book the gigs? <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. you know, but it, it, of course, it's a perceptive comment. They see that somebody's playing at one of the local venues and they're curious how that happens. And what I often explain is I don't personally book the gigs, but I am the person who helps to communicate to that team member who's called a booking agent to figure out when the best time is to book the gig, when the best place, where the best place is to book the gig, et cetera, et cetera. And so that helps me say, just as you said, you know, you mentioned team members. A lot of the ways that that I've gone and described what an artist manager does is, you know, we're kind of like the the captain of a team. In a lot of ways, I like to say that we're the co-captain because I think that the artist is also a captain. The artist is typically the captain of the creative vision and the musical direction. And of course, we like to be able to give some input there, or we like to pair the artist up with people that can give some better input, i.e. a songwriter, if a band needs something like that. But us two as the co-captains work to direct the other members of our team, whether that be the booking agent, a record label, if a record label's in place, a merchandise company in the event that there's a publisher. And then there's kind of a lot of like smaller sort of utility players. Those are people that maybe you're not talking to on an everyday basis. That could be your business manager. That could be the band's attorney you name it. And a lot of those relationships ebb and flow. But as that co-captain, you know, we need to figure out what is the goal. If the goal is to, quote unquote, win the game, all right, we need to figure out how we're going to go out and, and win the game. If we go out and run as fast as we can for the first five minutes, we might tire out. And we've got to just map out a plan 
a long-term vision of where we feel the artist wants to go. And then we back that into smaller micro plans that are constantly being adjusted based on the input that we get. If we want the band, if we see you know, the step for growth to go do a support tour of a larger artist, we focus a lot of energy on doing that support tour. If we get the feedback out of that tour that we added so much to it that we hope we do, then maybe our next step is to go headline. If we get the feedback that, oh, maybe we're not quite as ready to headline as we want, we may go look for another support tour. And so there's just a lot of management of strategy and making a lot of quick decisions on a daily basis. Yeah, that was a good example, the co-captain, if you will, because a lot of times artists will maybe, a lot of times, at least in the beginning, the artist might think that the manager is the be-all, end-all, and the manager's everything that's going to make it happen, I guess. A lot of times they have that kind of mentality where, okay, well, I just need to find a manager. I just need to find a manager. But at the end of the day, the manager is the co-captain. And the way that I guess maybe I always thought about it was the manager was the one who lets the artist focus on the creative aspect of things. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. And without the artist creating the best possible art as possible, we can't do an incredible job. I've looked back over my career and looked at artists that I was dragging them across a finish line that was much further ahead than they could have or should have gotten. And there's some there's certain things that we can do in order to allow an artist to thrive, but over time, the real common denominator between successful artists is they are the ones producing great content and they're then trusting us with the ability to direct and manage their careers from that great content. And that's it's a really important distinction. And, and you know, you, you said it very well. Like there are many artists that think that there's some guy sitting somewhere or some woman sitting somewhere with this little bit of magic dust. And believe me, a good manager has a number of connections and connections allow them to call on people to do favors and favors allow them to leverage a band to be in a position where then if the band performs, again, if we go back to a kind of a coach analysis, I like to say if the band, and I, I like to develop artists. I like to find bands very early on and kind of build them up. And I sort of liken it to the diving platforms in the Olympics. You know, I find bands that are, that are jumping off the side of the pool. The goal is then to move them to the low dive and then up to the high dive and then to the three meter platform, the five meter platform, and eventually the 10 meter platform. But the one thing that I can't do, nor my team can do is we can't dive for you. If we coach you all the way up to the gold medal Olympic dive off the 10 meter platform and you nail it, bravo. We're all walking away, you know, just like you see on the Olympics on TV, everybody's slapping high fives. We're on the the medal stand. If for whatever reason, the artist blows it, doesn't perform, doesn't deliver, doesn't do any of the things that are expected of them, then it doesn't mean we have to go all the way back to the start of the pool. We might just have to come down another platform and perfect ourselves there so we can move back up and be able to to nail it at that point. That's interesting too that you said that you kind of like to uh, help develop the artist, right? Mm-hmm. So do you find yourself, I guess, uh, 
busy with that kind of work, I, you know, because what I'm thinking right now is how the labels used to be more, it used to be a little bit more prevalent for the labels to do development deals and things like that. And that doesn't necessarily happen any, you know, as much as it used to in the past. So I guess what I'm wondering is, um, is there, are you busy with that? Is it easy for you to kind of find artists to work with to develop them? And what do you look for when you decide whether or not you want to work with a band or a new artist? Yeah, I mean, it's incredibly busy. And, you know, sometimes you find that working with the developing artist is just as challenging, if not more challenging than an established artist. Each has its own unique set of challenges, but they also have, there's a lot of overlap in there. And, you know, what we typically look for is we look for for passionate people that have done something at least on their own. And we also look for, and we've trained ourselves as to, to how to do this, we look for somebody that's hopefully filling unique a unique role within the music business. If I went and found, you know, the next band that sounded just like ACDC, it might work, but the probability is it won't work. We've already got ACDC. The world doesn't necessarily need the next one of those. And maybe that's not as great of an example, but we're looking for unique people, very passionate people. Oftentimes in the case of a, a band that has a singer, you're looking for what you think of as a star. You're looking for somebody who has that potential. They've got charisma. They've got the ability to get up on a stage and convince people that they are the be all end all. Yeah. Well, it has to be there, you know, and I guess the commitment, I like to use the word commitment needs to be there from the artist. Because like you said, going back to what you said about, they basically, they have to be in it to win it. So correct. And I mean, everybody, many, many, many people think that they're there. They think that, hey, just give me this opportunity and I won't let you down and blah, blah, blah. And oftentimes that's correct. But there's also plenty of people who the going gets tough, the tough get going. It takes a lot of effort and a lot of hard work to break through in this industry. There are artists that do it every single you know week, but it doesn't mean that there wasn't years of preparation that went into it. So when the time came, when they got called up to, you know, they've trained. So when they get called up to the Olympics, they actually deliver. And you're right. That can be one of the the biggest challenges is helping people maintain and sustain that commitment as it does become challenging as they watch another band that they feel like they're better than, you know, they surpass them. And they say, well, why didn't we get that opportunity? And you got to sit there and say, not everyone can get all of the same opportunities. And, you know, we need to go create our own opportunities. And maybe it's going to be next month. Maybe it's going to be next year. But let's continue to create fantastic content and deliver that consistently over time. And that's where success comes from. Absolutely. I've heard you mention content before a few times in our discussion here. Of course, when we're talking about an artist, we're talking about music as part of the content. But you know, maybe as far as other content goes for marketing or promoting, are there any specific types of content? Like besides the actual music, what else do you think an artist could use to market or promote themselves? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And I do use content instead of music because we're in a content-driven society right now. And 
having great music alone is not enough. You have to have so many other things that can go along with it. You have to have great visuals. Those visuals can include a proper music video. They can include some sort of hybrid music video or, you know, sometimes lyric videos, but some sort of visual that goes along with it. Also, you have to have the great visuals from your art. Many of the artists that we work with, we help them develop a logo or a symbol so people can identify themselves with that artist and reinforce the brand. So those are pieces of content. And again, many of the artists that we work with, their bread and butter promotion is is touring. And so as the budget fits and allows, we like to capture the content from the touring. If you're playing in front of 200 people in Scranton, Pennsylvania, you should be able to capture that and share it with the world. So the entire world knows that you played in front of seemingly a large crowd. I'm using 200 because on a developing artist scale, that's decent. That's, I, that's, yeah. that's a sellout right there, 200. I was going <laughs> to say, but for the artists that are doing 2,000 or the ones that are playing festivals at 50,000, you know, you need to be able to capture that and then using all of the tools that continue to evolve on a daily basis in social media, utilize that to perpetuate the notion to everyone who can or will pay attention that you're out there doing something and you're doing something incredibly positive. So content is also just what you're posting, what your voice is on social media. How are you wording things? How are you interacting with your fans? How are you allowing them access to you? And all of that stuff, there is strategy to it. And if it's done, if all of that content is done well, it's done consistently and you do it over time, those are where we see success. Our discussion here has kind of shifted over to uh, marketing a bit with um, talking about content, which is easy to make that switch in a, in a discussion because like you said, content is a huge part of it in the marketing and the branding aspect of it. Are there any big tools or apps that you like to use or that you, as far as either social media goes or helping facilitate that content, any tips or tricks or apps that you would like to share with everybody? Yeah. I mean, you know what, what's interesting. And so because we've recognized how important that is and how marketing does play such a role in the modern day management career. I typically don't do much of that promotion myself. I have a team of people who oversee much of that. We sit down, we all strategize as to what makes sense, whether it be for a given tour, a given release, or just how we selling our merchandise, or if we've coordinated with another brand, we've done a lot of interesting stuff with Rockstar Games, we've got a great relationship with Activision, you know, Vans, Nike, all of these things. Like, how is my team then promoting that to the best of our ability? And so, you know, the team is typically the one that goes and, and does that. But, you know, I mean, all of kind of the the normal, well, what are perceived normal now, you know, you've got your Facebooks, your Instagrams, your Twitters, you name it. And, you know, we have found that there are some tools that are ever changing that allow us to kind of streamline some of that stuff. But we've also found that each one of them kind of needs their own unique individual posts. And so the more time that we can spend giving those platforms and others, whether it be Snapchat, Periscope, all the ones that are developing, if we can give them the unique attention in our own unique voice, 
And we found that that kind of works a bit better to our advantage. Absolutely. You said something about Activision and, and Rockstar. Those would be considered brand partnerships, right? And so that a lot of times would be arranged by, not a lot of times, but a decent amount of time, it, it would be arranged by the artist manager, correct? Yeah, it would. And there's companies that specialize in that stuff. And not everybody has those relationships and not everybody has the time to go develop that. I have seen and thought that that is unique. What I consistently try to do with the artists that we work with is how do we expand their fan base based on genuine genuine relationships with tools or products that our artists like to use. And so when a number of our artists like to use video, you know, they like to play video games. So if we can facilitate a relationship there and get the video game company's page to post something about our artist, presumably that helps broaden that fan base. If we've got a million Facebook likes and the video game company has 25 million, presumably, of course, you've got to worry about algorithms and all of that fun stuff. But the general idea is how do we genuinely broaden that fan base through unique partnerships with sponsors, endorsers, you name it. And it goes, you know, a lot of the bands that we work with play technically proficient with their gear and we facilitate and help to work with the relationships that the artists facilitate with all of their endorsers, guitar companies, pickups, sticks, drums, yada, 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 and really try to have that symbiotic relationship for each individual in the band and whatever their endorser is, how does that feed back into the overall brand of the band itself? Yeah, absolutely. Well, because I think a lot of times I brought up brand partnerships just because I think a lot of times, at least in the past few months, I guess, maybe artists have been asking me personally a lot about those specific partnerships and how they happen and but where they come from and who facilitates them. And so that that was just kind of a random question that, that popped into my head about how they're worked out. Because I know from the marketing side of things, of course, we want to do that as well. But it's kind of a split between the team, again, the team with their co-captain, of course, the manager kind of directing the flow of that. But yeah, yeah. no, very true. And ultimately, the way that I see and hope to fill out each member of the team is, you know, everybody's essentially working towards the same goal. And so we've got a booking agent who has a relationship through with someone. I've got no problems with them facilitating the initial contact or whatever it may be. And just as I don't, I really like a team that's built by people who they have a defined role, but are willing to have that role expand just a little bit as needed in order to really work together to allow the overall growth of the band. And, you know, look, what we have found is a lot of those sponsors and endorsers, we've built those relationships. In my, I, you know, we travel to NAM, the big equipment sponsorship convention out in Southern California, and we go and we make those rounds and build those relationships. And they understand that with our developing artists, we we have had a proven track record of success that's able to bring those artists up to a certain level. They know that it's not a guarantee. And then they know that if they do endorse the artists, our team will work to promote them 
through our social media, through the band's social media. And so we do a really good job of that stuff. And it's fun and it's exciting for us. Yeah. And we keep going back to the whole idea of, of relationships about, you know, you know, from the business side of things, relationships are important. And, and you just mentioned um, the gear conference in California. So, and, and even how you and I met comes down to networking, right? So, Correct. so uh, when you first got started, what, what were some of the ways that you kind of networked and met people besides, I know you're on the road a lot, but mm-hmm. were, were there any other did you attend conferences regularly or were there certain things that you did? But mainly, you know, how, how did you start networking in the beginning? Yeah, I mean, I actually didn't attend a ton of conferences. What I typically tried to do was identify the people that I thought could benefit the bands that I worked with and develop those relationships with them. If I was traveling to New York and L.A., which I travel to quite frequently for this reason alone. So I can get in a room with someone and build that rapport. People want to do favors for and help out people that they A, like and B, that are proximate to them and relevant to them. And if you're out of sight, you're essentially out of mind. Of course, there's exceptions to those rules. If you have a massive band that's exploding, the tides are turned. Everybody's coming to you. But as you're developing yourselves and as you're developing artist or a developing manager, those are the types of things that I really spent a lot of time doing. Even if I didn't have an artist with another, with a particular agent, I would try to go in, take them to lunch, pick their brain, ask them for advice as to whether they thought we were doing a good job with the artists that we had. Same with other managers, same with labels, same with publicists, same with attorneys, you know, all of that stuff, same with promoters. And you do that long enough and you do it well enough, then you've got all of the relationships. You know, you've got a nice core set of relationships and that allows you to then really, you know, be in business. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, it, do you have any, actually, let me go back, which I, I wanted to start the conversation with i don't know if you ever heard of simon sinek have you he, he wrote he wrote a book called start with why okay yeah i know that title yeah so i meant to actually ask this at the beginning but why did you get into the music business and and i guess why do you stay yeah that's a great question and i've had to you know ask myself that i as a guy that kind of grew up in the underground punk hardcore scene And then, you know, went into sort of fell into tour management. It was an opportunity that presented itself a little bit by chance, you know, chance through some relationships. And as I transitioned into management, which was, again, a little bit by chance, I mean, I had some friends that needed a manager and, you know, lo and behold, I became a manager. But once you've been doing it, you know, over a certain period of time, you do stop and say why. And I do it because I really, I enjoy community. I like the relationships. I like feeling like we are a part of something that is, you know, growing and helping people. I think one of the reasons I like developing artists and why I've turned to a lot of the education initiatives is, you know, I like the idea of mentoring people. I've been very fortunate to have a career that, you know, has had plenty of hardships, but I'm in a position now where I can turn and offer, you know, some sort of advice to younger people that are looking to 
you know, find their direction, find how to get an opportunity or artists that are really trying to grow. You know, there are no shortcuts to the top, but there surely are consistent methodologies that can be put into place in order to advance yourselves towards the top. And I really enjoy dealing with the people, forming those new relationships and helping be a part of of something that grows. Awesome. Awesome. Any final thoughts or last things you you want to say to uh, to the Internet world out there? Uh, man that's a lot of pressure i mean you know i mean i think what i want to say is sometimes the lessons that you learn you know you don't learn them you know the minute that they happen it takes time to materialize and one of the things i've been fortunate to do in my life was figure out how i could have my own definition of success we are a small business a boutique business no one here is getting rich anytime soon. And if I defined as I, as I actually once did, I compared myself to others because I felt as if, wow, I wasn't very successful because I wasn't generating tons of money. And when I turned and started to look at all of the opportunities that I, you know, had created for people and how I'd taken a band from nothing up to getting a record deal, getting on their first tour and having that grow that doesn't always mean money's pouring back in. What it means is that you're helping people move towards their goals. And that is surely a definition of success. And so I had dinner with one of my great friends last night. Mike Schleibon plays in a band, Darkest Hour. He's actually the first band that I managed. And we were talking and his band has been around for 20 years and they've had a modicum of quote unquote, financial success. But, you know, I mean, they're, he's not living solely off the band. And, you know, we had a really refreshing conversation where he looked at the fact that he's married, he owns a house, he's the father of a beautiful girl, he gets to play music. It might not have been the way that he thought when he had hoped that he would be, you know, just like Eddie Van Halen. But it's different, but it's still something that he's incredibly proud of. And I think that that's, I think that that's really important for people because there's so much, there's so many people vying to do things within our business. Not every one of them is going to make it to, you know, the top of the charts or, you know, selling out arenas. And so you have to figure out ways to measure your success and define what is successful for you in order to stay sane and stay happy in uh, this crazy business. (laughs) Definitely. I mean, I hear a lot of passion, you know, in in what you just said and I've kind of had the same kind of philosophy about it. You know, I think it's a passionate business. I think everybody got involved in the music business at one point or another because they love music. Maybe they don't necessarily feel that way anymore, but that's kind of where it started from and where it stems from is passion and different levels of success. Just because you didn't make it to, uh, you know, Billboard 100 or something doesn't mean you weren't successful. You know, are, are your bills paid? Do you have a house? Can you take care of your family and still do what you love to do? So different levels of success and and being passionate about what you do. And I mean, that's that's what I just took away from that that last part that that you just said. Well, thanks. I'm glad it conveys that way because I do consider myself incredibly passionate about what I do. Again, I like I love what I do. And it oftentimes can be a struggle because it is it's just a very challenging business. But finding those ways to feel rewarded 
has been the key to allowing me to retain my passion. And sort of when you say start with why, and when you ask me why, and, and I had to figure out because I did another podcast with a friend that was focused on music and he talked about how do you, you were this punk hardcore guy and now you work with a lot of bands that are anything but that. Like, how did you make that jump? And I said, look, the common thread to me is the people. It's the community. When I was involved in underground punk hardcore music, I surely enjoyed the music. I love the message. I love the political slant to it, but I love the people. I love going and meeting new people as I toured all over the world. When I met friends in Poland, friends in Sweden, friends in Australia, you know, and these are people that I still keep in touch to with the, still to this day. And yeah, when I wake up in the morning and my inbox is full from emails from Europe <laughs> and I go to bed and there's people from Australia hounding me and, you know, all throughout the day, there's people from our time zones here in the U.S. Like, that's a privilege. That's not many people get to do that. And I live in the Washington, D.C. area, and there's a lot of successful people here that work very traditional jobs. And they're always blown away by the fact that I'm able to do something that's, that is very unique. And it's important to keep that in perspective because even being in a band, yeah, when you're freaking broke and you're on the side of the road and you're eating a Taco Bell and you're trying to fill your gas tank, like that's a privilege. <laughs> there's not... There's a lot of people that don't get to do that. And yeah, that is passion. <laughs> very good. Very good. I agree. It's, it's been a pleasure to speak with you. And, and I hope I hope everybody got, you know, at least a little bit of something out of this, you know, out of this little discussion we just had, even if it's just to um, stay passionate and, and keep doing what you want to do and keep working your ass off. So I want to say thanks again to Mike. Anything else that we, that we want to talk about or uh, I discuss? I don't know. I, think, I mean, well, I, I think this has been a very positive conversation. I appreciate your time on it. I hope that, yeah, your listeners got something out of it and they can check out what we do here, www.outerloopmanagement.com or outerlooprecords.com. But management pretty much has links to all of the other great things that we do. So if anybody wants to be in touch... Go there and find us. Hit them up. Mike at uh, Outer Loop Management. Thanks again, and uh, everybody, have a good one. Thanks, Corey.